Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. We have been studying the life of King Saul, and we continue to do that today. We had a few sermons on how King Saul mismanaged crisis. Now we're going to talk about how King Saul mismanaged obedience. We're going to take a few Sundays to really delve into this subject because obedience is very important to the Lord. And I just really sense that it's critical during this time, things that are going on around the world, that we press into God to know Him more and to walk according to His will. So the title of this few series is Obedience is Better. In the Old Testament, all the blessings of the promised land were conditional upon Israel's obedience. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 3. God says, If you will fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth, and all these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. And then he goes on to the list of you will be blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed in going out, blessed in coming in. All these blessings are conditional upon obedience. As long as they obeyed, they would possess the promised land. However, if they disobeyed, they would lose the land altogether. And as you know, that's exactly what happened. It was really simple. God said, if you obey, I'll protect you, I'll bless you, I'll take care of you. You'll be the greatest nation in the world. But if you disobey, you're my people and you'll be scattered. And so we see that in the Old Testament, blessings were conditional upon obedience. In the New Testament, obedience is how we tangibly show our love for the Lord. Look at 1 John 5, verses 3 and 4. This is love for God, to obey His commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And so when we obey, it blesses God. It's how we we show our love for the Lord. This is a tangible way that we can express our love to God is by obeying his commands. And his commands aren't burdensome. Jesus boiled them down to two, all the commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so as we walk in obedience, God is pleased, he is blessed. There are two qualities that please the Lord, obedience and faith. Look at Hebrews eleven six, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Our our obedience comes from our faith. When we believe in God's word, when we trust in the Lord's word, then we will respond in obedience to God's commands. The bottom line is this. Obedience does benefit us, but more importantly, it blesses the Lord. How many want to bless the Lord? Oh, my soul. We want to be a blessing to the Lord. We want to show our love to the Lord. And so sometimes obedience seems like, oh, this is a heavy weight upon us. No, there's only two commandments. All the other commandments are summed up in loving the Lord and loving your neighbor as yourself. And so God wants us to walk in this obedience, especially in these times. You know, consider this. I mean, there are people, there are believers in the Ukraine right now that are dying. 
that are being losing their homes and their churches. And just can you imagine that happening here? It's imperative for us to be walking closely to the Lord, especially during these times. Now, we don't obey just to be blessed. We're, that's not our only motivation. We obey because we love God. But blessings are a fringe benefit of obedience. But pleasing Jesus is our main purpose. That's what it's all about as believers in Jesus Christ. We want to bless the Lord. We want to please the Lord. And we please him through our faith and our actions in obedience. Obedience has always been important to the Lord. From Adam and Eve, through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, and even today. And so we're going to look at the life of Saul. Again, Saul is the example you don't want to follow. Sometimes we learn from a good example. Other times we learn from a bad example. We learn a lot from Saul. He's still the king of Israel, but this is a turning point in his reign. Generations before him, the Amalekites had waylaid the Israelites as they were making their way up from Egypt to the promised land. And as punishment, God commanded Saul to wipe out the Amalekites. And so Saul and his army were to completely destroy everything and to not hold back or keep anything for themselves. And so Saul mustered his army of over 200,000, which was a far cry from the 600 soldiers he had against the Philistines. And so we pick up our story at 1 Samuel 15, verse 7. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, to the east of Egypt. He took Agag, king of, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling, unwilling to destroy completely. But everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Isn't that inter interesting? God says, don't keep anything for yourself. But they did. They kept the best for themselves and only destroyed what was weak and despised. Verse 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I am grieved that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. And Samuel was troubled and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Verse 12, early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. Not, not the one on the coast here of California. It's a different one. There he has set up a monument in his own honor, and he has turned and gone down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. And I love this line. Verse 4, the Bible is so awesome. Just You want to talk about a mic drop. I mean, here's Saul, I did everything God wanted me to do. And then verse 14, but Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is the lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul said, yeah, we did everything. We killed all the animals. And then Samuel says, then what am I hearing? Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle. Um, uh, to sacrifice, yeah, that's right. Sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. Verse 16, stop, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel and he sent you on a mission 
saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. See, he's totally contradicting himself. The soldiers, yeah, they, the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Once again, we learn from the life of Saul what not to do. He had a problem with disobedience. And here are some causes of disobedience. Number one, partial obedience to God's specific instructions. Saul kind of obeyed. He sort of obeyed. He didn't do exactly what God said, but it was in the ballpark. But God had given Saul explicit instructions. But Saul wasn't concerned about the details. How many know God cares about the details? He does. He cares about the small things as much as the big things. And so Saul obeyed, but only partially. And incomplete obedience is disobedience. When you don't do everything God says, it's not sort of obeying, it's disobeying. And God gives us explicit instructions in his word regarding how we're to live our lives. Do you know God's word is still true today? And God's word has made it very clear in how we're to live our lives what, what we are to do to please the Lord. And sometimes we don't like what God told us to do or how God has told us to live, especially when it goes counter to our culture and there's so much pressure from our culture. Standards and morals of the world change, but God's word does not change, amen? It doesn't matter what, what has changed in the world Things that used to be right are wrong, and things that used to be wrong are now right. And, and the Bible said that would happen in the end times. People would call good evil and call evil good. It's a sign of the end times. But the scriptures are still very clear, and they apply to us today. I remember hearing this story, this true story from Pastor Chuck Smith. He was the founder of Calvary Chapel. And at the height of the hippie movement, all these hippies were getting saved. It was awesome. And one of those that got saved was a woman who became radically saved. And she was so excited to be a Christian. And she was so sincere in her salvation. She didn't know much about the Bible, but it didn't stop her from sharing her newfound faith with just about everyone she'd come across. However, like she did often before accepting Christ, she invited a man over to stay the night at her place one night. And then she began to witness to this man about Jesus. And he asked, are you a Christian? And she emphatically said, yes, I am. And the man said, well, if you're a Christian, you're not supposed to be doing this. And she said, really? 
And then he showed her in her Bible where it said sex outside of marriage is a sin. And she said, huh, you're right. In that case, you'll have to leave. <laughs> he must have muttered, me and my big mouth. But how many of you know that's true salvation? That's genuine obedience. When she learned from the word what was right and wrong, she did what was right. And that is, that is evidence of our love for the Lord. We don't obey out of drudgery. We don't obey out of, of pressure. We obey out of love. Because all of God's commands are good. God gave us boundaries in life to protect us and to bring us blessing. And when we live within the boundaries, there's blessing. But when we live outside of the boundaries, there's challenges and problems. And so God's called us to obey simply. And there are, there are times we obey certain things, but not everything. But incomplete, partial, or limited obedience is still disobedience. God is looking for full obedience. And we can only do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. But look at Exodus 19, verse 3. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Did you hear that? The tenderness of God for his people. He told the Israelites, I carried you on eagle's wings. Verse 5. Now if you will obey me fully, not partially, fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Another cause of disobedience is subjective interpretation of God's objective commands. God made a command to Saul and Saul interpreted it differently. When God says, all the animals, Saul said, well, let's interpret that. Surely God didn't mean all. Just because he said it doesn't mean he meant it. I'm telling you, if God said it, he meant it. And so Saul takes it upon himself as king to change things just a little bit. Just like the Pharisees. They would take the commands of God and just twist them just enough to where it became disobedience to God's commands. And Saul and his army, it says they were unwilling Certainly, they all knew what God had required, but they said, you know what? We're not going to kill the best animals. We're going to keep those for ourselves. But everything that was despised and weak, they completely destroyed. This edict was known as haram, which meant to completely destroy for dedication to the Lord. Saul and his men were only willing to give to God that which was weak and inferior and leftover and then, not only that, they kept the best for themselves. And yet Saul says, I did what I was supposed to do. And then Samuel says, and what's this noise I hear? The, the sheep and the cattle. And Saul claims, well, yes, it's true, we kept the best, but only to sacrifice to the Lord. How many know this is something new that Saul hadn't brought up before? He's scrambling here. 
He's backing up the truck, right? Well, uh, yeah, we took the animals, but only for you, God. We only did it for you. But Samuel said to obey is better than sacrifice. You see, Saul had interpreted God's word instead of just obeying. How I many you know if God said it, don't, don't try to twist it or interpret it or, or apply it. Just do it. Nike, just do it. That's what God asks. Just do it. And even after being confronted several times by Samuel, he keeps arguing, I did obey the Lord. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. He actually has the audacity to argue with God about what God said. How many know God's memory is better than yours? And so we, we need to trust God's word. And Saul instead tried to interpret it and twist it instead of obeying it. Samuel said, to heed or to listen is better than the fat of rams. Saul didn't listen. He heard the command, but he didn't really heed it. He didn't listen to all of it. A missionary translator was endeavoring to find a word for obedience in the native language of the tribe he was living with. And this was a virtue seldom practiced among the people into whose language he wanted to translate the New Testament. As he re returned home from the village one day, he whistled for his dog, and it came running at full speed. An old native seeing this said admiringly in the native tongue, your dog is all ear. Immediately the missionary knew he had his word for obedience. Obedience is to be all ear. And when it comes to the Lord's command, how many of you know we need to be all ear? Now, there's this vicious rumor that husbands have selective hearing. I don't think it's backed up scientifically. I'd like to see the survey myself. But men, you know what I'm saying? The five most frightening words you ever hear from your wife is, are you listening to me? Those ladies don't do that. It strikes terror in our heart. And then five more, even more frightening words. Then what did I say? Come on, that is not fair. Just If you're going to ask the first five words, don't ask the other five. Just kind of roll with us here a little bit, okay? God made us this way. Yeah, let's blame it on God. Just like Saul. The devil made me do it. Now, we can't have selective hearing when it comes to God, but sometimes we do. We hear just enough. We only hear the part we like. Or we're paying attention to something else. But it's important for us to be all ear when it comes to God. We, we don't always like it. We don't always understand it. But we need to obey it. Because if we obey, we will please the Lord and it will bless us. We should not put our own spin on God's commands. We should not take God's holy word and twist it to fit our lifestyle. God's command, you know, people say, well, you know, God's commands are archaic. That doesn't apply for today. Oh, yes, it does. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Or I'm not really gossiping, I'm just expressing my concern. To everyone. 
as loud as I can. And so we, we need to realize that we can't take God's word and pick and choose what we want to obey. It's all or none. Sometimes we only give to the Lord what is left over or whatever we don't want instead of giving God our best. Other times we think we can pacify God with some sort of sacrifice. If I'm just religious enough, how I many you know religion won't save you? Religion is often the practice of men to try to get to God. But we need to let God speak to us. And he does through his word. And Samuel said, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as obeying the voice of the Lord? God would prefer obedience to his instructions over any kind of sacrifice. This is so important. After David sinned with Bathsheba, you know the story. He sinned with Bathsheba. He wrote these words. You do not delight in sacrifice. I, Psalm 51, 16. Speaking to the Lord. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. That's what God's looking for. He, he's looking for a real a broken heart. We all fall. We all disobey every day. And you know what God is looking for? He's not looking for sacrifices. He's looking for our heart. True repentance. And we're going to talk more about that a little later. Because we do all sin and we do all fall short of God's glory. But he has created repentance for us to be right with God. Obedience is simply better than sacrifice or anything else. Because when we subjectively interpret God's commands, it is a sign of a disobedient heart. Another sign of disobedience is number three, an overestimation of our own importance. Samuel goes to confront Saul, but guess what? He's not there. He's somewhere else building a statue of himself. Oh, that's great. Not only have you disobeyed God's commands, you're making an idol. You've, you've created this statue. Before Saul had built an altar to the Lord, and that got him in trouble because he wasn't supposed to make the sacrifice. And so now he's building a monument to himself. Samuel said, you were once small in your own eyes. Saul wasn't always arrogant like this. And Saul thought of himself a different way before he became king. When Samuel came to anoint him as king, this is what Saul said about himself. Look at 1 Samuel 9, 21. Saul answered, but am I not a Benjaminite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? Because Samuel was saying, you're going to be the next king. And he was like, why do you say this? I'm nobody. I'm from the smallest tribe in Israel. At one time, Saul was humble. Saul was meek. My, how things have changed. Obviously, the inference is, now you think of yourself more highly than you ought, Saul. Saul thought he was so great that he was even above the commands of God. How many you know we never rise above the commands of God? 
And Samuel said, arrogance is like the evil of idolatry. Idolatry was one of the most serious sins that the Jewish people committed in the Bible times. And so God considers arrogance as serious as a sin as idolatry. Arrogance and self-importance will lead to disobedience. That's what happened to Saul here. It went to his head. Just like King Uzziah, it went to his head and he tried to make the sacrifice and was struck with leprosy. I shared that last Sunday. Saul's following the same path. He's going his own route and, and it's going to his head and it's leading to disobedience. So many great men and women of God fall from their pedestals because they begin to believe they are as great as everyone told them they were. They came to a place where they thought they were somehow exempt or above the commands of God. It doesn't matter if you're the president of the United States or just an everyday person, God's commands still apply. We should never build monuments to ourselves. I'm glad, I'm glad there's no building named after me on this campus. Now, when I'm gone, maybe a memorial restroom <laughs> or something glorious like that might be in order. I mean, who named the blue chapel? We can never change the color in there because it's always the blue chapel. We shouldn't look to put a name on anything. We should look to exalt his name and his name alone because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And every time we'll confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Partial obedience to God's specific instructions is disobedience. When we try to interpret and twist God's commands, it's disobedience. And when we exalt ourselves, it will bring a fall. I'm going to ask the worship team to come at this time and we're going to take communion together. Let me read this scripture for communion, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Therefore, verse 28, a man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks of the cup. Lord Jesus, we give thanks for your sacrifice on that cross. Lord, as, especially as we come into this Easter season, we're mindful again of your sacrifice. God, it cost you everything so we could be free. And so, Lord, we come before you asking you, by the power of your spirit, to help us walk in obedience to your commands. And when we fall short, as we all do, that we would turn to you for forgiveness. We hold in our hands, Lord, a representation of your forgiveness. And so, Lord, we take this bread and we give thanks. Let's take the bread. Let's pray over the juice.
Lord Jesus, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And so this is to forever remind us that you bled and died so that we could be forgiven. By your stripes, we are healed. And so, Lord, as we drink this juice, we drink in your forgiveness, your grace, your mercy, your kindness, your compassion, all that you've done for us, Lord, totally setting us free. We're forgiven. You've given us eternal life. This is what this all represents. And it reminds us, Jesus, in this crazy world that you're coming again someday for your people. May we be ready. May we be ready and watching and waiting for your return. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take the juice? And with you, would you stand with me this morning? I want to remind you that the elders will be at the front. If anyone needs prayer, if anyone needs to give your heart to the Lord, give your life to the Lord, come forward and meet with these elders. And for the rest of us, let's keep our conversations to the foyer because people will remain in worship and prayer. I speak this over to you, over you for this week. I take this seriously whenever I speak this blessing. I believe it matters. And so will you receive this blessing? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Our worship service begins at 1030 every Sunday. You can join us in person or online. We broadcast live on both Facebook and YouTube. We would love for you to join us and be our guest this Sunday. Our address is 4901 California Avenue, Bakersfield, California. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.